When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just wanted everybody to really feel that right there. I was waiting for that beat to hit, and this is the only beat that you got. That's right. Our mid-movie uh, theme edition of Ball Don't Lie is old school. And Patrick, you said this is when he was working on the car in the driveway? Yeah, this is when he's working on the car. It's like his old uh, Trans Am or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Trying to remember the 80s. Yeah, he's just so awkward. <laughs> he's so awkward in the conversation, yeah. too. This is really like Will Ferrell. Coming out of like being a star, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a beat in. This is so great. This is so great. <laughs> this is one of. This is so cool. The scene where he's doing that that makes me laugh every time because I can actually see it when they're talking to each other and how he's like, oh, you know, we're just gonna hang out all weekend. You know, I'm just gonna work on my car. Where you? What do you got going on? <laughs> That's right. Midweek movie theme, old school, and it just continues. To get better as the songs keep going, too. Frank the Tank? Yeah, Frank the Tank. He's Frank always tank. chilling, man. Uh, yeah, Frank the Tank. Legendary figure um, in uh, comedy because of uh, the character that Will Ferrell played. No doubt. <laughs> he, he was hilarious. Yeah, no no question. Uh, shout out to my man, Patrick, with the uh, the old school for the midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. All right, we got to talk Texas men's basketball with a big win over Iowa State. We'll also talk Texas baseball. Yep, big yep. win. First home, uh, first win of the season, but also uh, their home opener, winning their uh, home opener against A&M Corpus Christi. 12 to 2 so a uh, really commanding statement win by them way to bounce back after an 0 and 3 start so we'll get into that as well you can be a part of the show you're the most important part of it specs text line is the best way to do it 512-337-3776 you also can reach out to us via twitter my man harge is at hardball harge in the twitterverse patrick davis at it's patrick davis in the twitterverse all right you uh, we want to start with texas basketball uh very impressive win by texas basketball yep. and uh, we talked about it earlier in the show but when you have that 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 trio, that holy trinity of guards playing really well for Texas, which hasn't happened a lot all season long because Tyrese Hunter really hasn't held up his end of the bargain. Uh, but Serge Barry Rice, Marcus Carr, and Tyrese Hunter, to me, that's the biggest storyline of the big win, 72-54 win for Texas over Iowa State. They were a ranked 
team too, by the way. So, I mean, they bludgeoned a team yep. that was ranked uh, like that and had a, a a really a thorough, nearly complete game. It wasn't a complete game. They did have a lapse offensively uh, in the second half there. Uh, but, man, they showed offensively they can have a lot of different players contribute. But it started with that trio of guards in the first half. They had 43 combined together. Serge Barry Rice, Marcus Carr, and Tyrese Hunter, 33 of those came in the first half where they had most of their damage and put the game away. And Hards, that's when we're talking about the, the ceiling of this team and how they can make a run the tournament. You're big on guard play yep. being one of the biggest factors in tournament success. Texas' biggest advantage this year was they had three veteran, high-level, high-performing guards and only two of those three have really been performing and, and trending in the right direction. Man, if you can get this type of performance from Tyrese Hunter consistently, along with what you've gotten from probably the, the best six man in yep. the Big 12, maybe the best six man in the country with Serge Barry Rice, and then Marcus Carr doing what Marcus Carr does, uh, man, you are going to be a dangerous, lethal team in the tournament, and you're definitely going to have a chance to close out and win this league, which is the toughest conference in the country. Yeah, you're talking about it, and, and you start thinking about uh, you brought up the six man uh, Serge Barry Rice, but you can add the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth right now because of the way that they played coming mm. off the bench last night. And Texas's bench has been one of the top um, in the country. That's They've true. been definitely doing it, and it's led by Serge Jabari Rice. But to your point about Tyreek Hunter, you know, he converted five of nine of, of his field goals, three of five from three-point range. But to Patrick, what Patrick was talking about earlier, he was moving well without the basketball, and he was getting a couple little layups. He did a backdoor cut. I mean, it was something – to be seen in the energy in which he played with. Yes, he played a little bit better here and there, and he played with decent energy. But last night, he played with great energy. And as we've all talked about, you see a little bit of success, and then all of a sudden things kind of take off for you. We've been waiting. He's been fighting through some injuries. Mm -hmm. He talked about that as well. He ended up hurting his wrist at the end of the game, but he said he's going to be fine, and he's got some time off this week to be ready to go against Baylor this Saturday at 1 p.m. But you sit there and you look at how they meshed last night. And the biggest part of what happened to create that lead, it was the fact that they forced 11 turnovers in the first 20 minutes of the game. Yep, That is huge. Mm-hmm. And you convert it and you convert it to 21 points. That is, that is what the game is all about, and that is something that I want to see them continue to do. Now, you're not going to be able to force that many turnovers that early in the game in every game, but when you do and it starts to see that, that run downhill of it and your team is taking advantage of it, Coach Terry can be just happy as he could be uh, watching his team play yesterday. I also want to give a shout-out to Coach Terry. 15-5 and five right. since he's taken over, and they're also 5-0 and oh in games against top 25 opponents in the Moody Center this year. Yeah, and I mean, I'll give them a— That's huge. I don't know what they did during this week of workouts to get them ready to play uh, basically between Saturday to Tuesday, but this team came out with an urgency that had been lacking in the last few games. Uh, to just come out and go, when you're talking about getting turnovers and playing the defense and everything, you can fundamentally do everything right, but if there's no urgency right. of, man, hey, man, look, we're only going to get so many opportunities during this game, they're going to hit shots. Yeah, Gabe is mm-hmm. going to hit threes on us. They're going to – like, that's going to happen, and if we're not in a position to control the lead so when those happen, uh, we're able to just go, oh, yeah, they got it back to 14. Let's push it back out again. Yep. If it's oh, – now we're down three, it's a big difference – so they played with an urgency to start the game, 
where they were able to play and then play with purpose to where you don't let that urgency make you make you have all the turnovers. Yep. Where a lot mm-hmm. of teams, when you start to try and play quicker, you turn the ball over, you go, no, no, everything we're doing, we're doing for a reason. We know what to do. We know how we're supposed to do it. So when you start to play these better opponents, when you're going to play a Baylor who's really good and a Kansas who's really good, TCU's really good too, but they're not exactly the same on defense. There's going to be a whole different problem of trying to control them on offense. Yeah. But playing Baylor and Kansas defensively, you're going to have your issues of, you know, even when you're doing everything right, you're going to have turnovers and you're going to miss shots. But you still need to keep up that urgency and purpose because that is how you can continue to win going down the stretch of this season. Yep. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's, it's amazing that they had, you know, so many different guys able to contribute. I brought up uh, Brock Cunningham earlier in the show because he was a great example of, you know, someone who now has always been someone who added juice to the lineup, always been someone who's been able to add, uh, you know, a different element of energy Mm -hmm. to the lineup. Most of it's been defensively. He's kind of a junkyard dog for you. Uh, But in this game, offensively, at least in this season, I should say, offensively, he's been able to add a a lot more, contribute a lot more when he's in the the game. And I brought up my man Matt Butler earlier, had a great stat via Twitter. You can go check it out for yourself. Uh, but he was responding to Nick Moyo, who brought up that Brock Cunningham was plus 25 in his 23 minutes yeah. <clears throat> uh, last night, plus 227 this season, fourth best mark in the Big 12 behind Grady Dick and uh, Marcus Carr and also Jabari Rice. Uh, they're at plus 232 and plus 246 for the season. Two of those guys come off the bench for Texas. Right. Getting back to your original point, Harge, about how strong Texas is when they bring in those those guys off the bench and when they're playing with some of their sec, their secondary units, mm-hmm. they're really good because those guys are playing at a really high level. And then my man Matt Butler added that for the season, net rating for Brock Cunningham plus 42.3, meaning Texas outscores opponents 140 to 97.6 per 100 possessions with Brock on the court last year. Also pretty damn good, plus 41.4 net rating, outscoring opponents 132 to 90.6 per 100 possessions with Brock on the court. So, um, I mean, he's he was obviously led the Longhorns in both of those seasons too. Yeah. He's been phenomenal for them. Coming back, we're talking about leadership, um, and that's what you're going to need to step up in these you know, these stretch runs, uh, obviously coming down to conference play, but of course getting into postseason play. Yeah, this is something that we've all been talking about, the energy that is needed each each step of the way. This is some of the things that we've looked at when you put this team on the field. You're like, okay, I mean on the field. On the court, I'm like, man, I've been thinking about Play like that. Brock, Brock Cunningham does <laughs> play like he's yeah, playing on the play, field. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. on the field. Yeah, yeah. I saw him yesterday dive for a ball exactly. and slid into the bench. <laughs> I'm like, this dude is straight hustling. All the time. All the time. So when you have a guy that can come in there that can ignite – especially playing at home, mm-hmm. the fans love it when Brock gets into the game because they know that he is going to play hard. Not saying anybody else doesn't play hard, but his heart is a little bit different than your heart. He raises the level. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So, and he brings it out. And he's one of those guys that's just a flat-out pest, mm-hmm. and he makes you feel uncomfortable the entire time. You don't, if he's not playing on your team, <laughs> exactly. you don't like Brock Cunningham. We only, we only like Brock because he's playing for our team. I no, would yeah. hate him for any other team. No, and yeah. that, but they're seeing, Draymond Green like <laughs> Don't yeah. compare him to the. Come on, I like. Come on, say <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. But I like the the fact of his offense improving, and we've seen it some with Artira Morris. We've seen it with Dylan Mitchell, but we saw it a little bit starting out the year. 
that there was a different emphasis on we're not confidence in shooting where we're not going to pull you if you miss shots. We're going mm-hmm. to pull you if you take bad shots. I like that. We're right. going to pull you if you're if you're not doing the right thing on the court. But if you're just missing shots and you're open, there we want you to take those shots because you need to hit them and we trust you can. And especially since Rodney Terry's taken over, we've seen more of a longer leash on these guys to be like, "Look, we're not going to win unless you guys can contribute." So we need you to start taking them. And I think Jabari Rice, we've seen with Rodney Terry on the helm that he is really feeling a lot more confident to take some riskier threes that he wasn't taking earlier in the season because he was more worried of, hey, man, and this is not just Chris Beard. This is most coaches you get worried of, hey, if I take the shot, they're going to pull me if I miss it. And it's a you know a 30% chance shot, and I think I can make it, but if I take it and it's guarded, they're going to pull mm-hmm. me, and I don't want to get pulled because I don't yeah. want to get back Playing in. Yep. Yep. And now yeah. – they're letting them go, and you're seeing the evidence of what happens when you're not playing scared and when you're playing that, hey, man, just go out there. If it's the right shot, we'll, we'll get you. If it's not, I will let you know immediately that you made the wrong decision. I may not even pull you. If you do it two times in a row, you're probably getting pulled. But he has mm-hmm. let a lot of guys stay in games when they've taken riskier shots because they are the right shot and because this team gets held up so much and has so much trouble moving the ball and getting decent shots off, you don't want to pass the ball past a good shot to look for a great shot, which they do a lot. They do a lot. So I think that just this coaching style of a little bit more leniency on the offensive end to allow them to get into grooves. And we saw yesterday with Tyrese Hunter, them giving him a couple shots ago. No, no, let's just feed him the ball a little bit. We know if there's one game that can get him going, it's this one. So let's feed him the ball. And we saw his numbers were drastically improved for this game. It's a good point, though, too, man. And I, with the reason, you know, it's such a a pivotal game for Texas, and Iowa State's been struggling, to be fair. They've, right. they've been struggling. They've won, what, one conference road game all yeah. season long? So they've been struggling yeah. on the road. Yeah. But one of the big criticisms, and I believe you and Patrick both shared this criticism of Texas after the Oklahoma win, um, was that they were playing to their opponent, not playing they, – they weren't playing to a standard. They were playing to their opponent, which, hey, the Big 12 – I mean, you you get you find a way to win. Yep. Just win in advance. That's the name of the game because uh, it is the toughest conference in the country. But there are there are opportunities in that game. We've seen this mm-hmm. throughout the season. Opportunities to take command of a game, and then if you could just consistently continue to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm talking about for, on both ends of the floor. Now we know there are going to be lapses where you know they're going to go through their droughts where they you know I think it was a four minute uh, drought in this game as usual. Yeah, start in the second half. But it wasn't on both ends of the floor. Right. It was just offensively. Defensively, they still kept their focus, still kept their intensity. Um, and I think that was you, this game they played to a standard. Yes. So you guys' biggest complaint, I think, was that, man, you can't play to an opponent. you got to pass that now. You're yep. deep in Big 12 play. You're trying to win the toughest conference in the country. And you're trying to make a run in the tournament. You play to your competition, you're going to lose. Yeah, gonna that's how, that's how teams get upset it, early in the tournament, early in the Big 12 tournament, is you play to your competition. Instead of going, we should breeze to the Sweet 16, you go, no, 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 because we're going to play a 14 team that's going to come out with way more intensity and fire than we are. Yep. They're going to, because they want it, because yep. this is their shot. They ain't even been on TV all year. <laughs> like they're yep, gonna be part yep. of the tournament, and you're going up against that. And if you don't come out with the fire in your eyes of, hey man, we're winning a national title, and we don't want it. We don't want the game to be in question. We want to win by twenty so that our coaches are happier and we're not getting yelled at. Like you have to have that mentality versus the mentality of, oh no, let's let's save ourselves and win this one, 
And then, you know, next game we'll be, we're, you know, we'll be ready for that one better if we rest ourselves a little bit more. You're like, no. Like you can flip yeah. a switch. Yes. You're not. Yeah. There is no switch. Yep. The NBA is big on flipping the switch. And those guys can do it. I'll admit. It's NBA. Some of them can. Some, and yeah. a lot of them can't. <laughs> yeah. That's very yeah. true. They, 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 I agree. Don't want to play with that. <laughs> you want, if you want to have the, you want to be peaking at the right time. And especially in college basketball where everybody knows all about March Madness, this team they look good right now. This is, I would say this is one of their better performances all year long, and it's at the right time. Now you got to build on it, and now you got to go on the road Oof. to help build on it in yeah. the Big 12. On the road in the Big 12. And this is a team, what is Texas, 500 on the road in the Big 12? Uh, well, they, what, I think so. Right? Let me check real quick. Yeah, to look. I, I don't I think know. I, I mean, they're, they're somewhere around there, right? They're not. I mean, it's, 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 it's the Big 12. They're 4-4 four and four away from here, yeah. but so they're 2-1 and one neutral site. Okay, yeah, so, so they're 4-4, four yeah. four, they're 500 yep. in the Big 12 play on the road. So they got to they gotta split, but it'd be great to win them both. <laughs> exactly. It'd be great to win both of those road games. You got Ed Baylor and you got Ed TCU. The three-point three shot, either way, defending it and hitting it, going to be big on the road at Baylor. Yeah, the one, well, one of their losses was at Tennessee. So you can still, but you're, but oh, yeah, you're right, but Sorry. you're right, yes. though. Yeah. But you're right, though. They're 500 on the road. Their one loss was at Tennessee. Okay. So, so yeah. So, not just in Big 12 play, just right. away. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, I think for this team is playing a really good basketball at a really crucial this time. This is perfect time for them and to continue to roll. Yeah, and they're peaking at the right time, no question. Uh, Texas baseball. No need to be worried about peaking. They got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Getting their first win of the season, <clears throat> and it was uh, the first home opener. Uh, sorry, the first home, the home opener for the Longhorns, and they won in a Really impressive fashion. 12 2 win over AM Corpus Christi. Harge, what did you see that you liked? I liked LeBaron Johnson throwing strikes. I mean, mm-hmm. he got in trouble early, gave up the home run, but then he came back. And the, uh, the beautiful part about it was Texas did not commit an error. That is a major like part that. of it. The confidence mm-hmm. is starting to get there, and you just want to make sure that you look at what LeBaron did. He struck out five, <clears throat> excuse me, he went five in and struck out eight, and it was his first start. And he picked up his first career win. So that is a, a confidence builder. I think he has electric stuff. And once he gets to understand his delivery, working with Woody Williams, I think he's going to be okay. I just believe that everybody needs their time, right? You still need to work through mm-hmm. some things. And I said this the other day, and people were like, come on, hard. And I'm like, no, baseball is one of those games that you need to have reps. You need to continue to have those reps. I was in Arlington, so I got a chance to see it. I got a chance to hear it. I got a chance to feel it from those fans. In the first game you go and play in your college baseball career is on the road. Some of these other teams that people were texting me about, about them being young, those games were played at home. So it's a different feel from when you're on the road to when you're at home. And things happen for those same players that struggled on the road. They played well at home. So and you get a different type of pitching staff to go up against that that staff that they saw Friday night they got to see a dude that's going to go in the top half of the first round that was shoving that night I mean he was I told you Rod I was like man I don't even know if I would have been able to hit that dude the way he was carving people up he was moving it all around I mean there were some good things that were happening then on 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 Saturday they had an opportunity. And it was a, they lost in a walk off, mm-hmm. you know. There were certain things, and Sunday was just bad all the way around. But they didn't give away at bats. They were still up there battling. They needed to put the ball in play. When you put the ball in play, you make the other team have to catch it, throw it, and catch it again. But if all they're doing is playing from the catcher to the 
I mean, from the pitcher to the catcher, there's not much that it's can too easy. Get, it's too, it makes it's the too game easy, simple man. for yeah, them. It's too easy. So put the ball in play and make other people have <laughs> to make plays around you. You started to see some of the older players hit the ball a little bit. Dylan Campbell had three hits and one of his outs, he sent a dude to the warning track. Then you look at what Jack O'Dowd did yesterday. He went three for four. Uh, Mitchell Daly, three for four. And Porter Brown, three, two for three. So you got some at-bats from all these other guys that, that you've been needing to get going, and that's what Texas needed to do. You got some home cooking. You got to play at home. Got to be in front of your friends and family. Everybody was excited for you. This weekend, you're going to get another opportunity. Uh, Indiana's coming in. So you should be able to go and attack them too because they don't have those SEC arms. So be prepared. But to answer your question, the biggest part for me was the simple fact that they could pitch it and catch it yesterday, and that was most important for me. Yeah, uh, but I'm with you. Love the way that LeBaron Johnson looked. I mean, he's he's, he's big and he's long. He's menacing up there, man. Yeah, that's a he's great, menacing. great description. Redshirt sophomore, correct? Mm-hmm. So he's still mm-hmm. still a youngster, but uh, recovered and, and really bounced back after giving up that, that solo shot early on. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine, a big Texas baseball fan, who said we should give some more props to the bullpen. Yeah, that the bullpen, even in the you know the three losses, that the bullpen wasn't terrible. The bullpen right. actually showed right. up and had some impressive performances, and I guess the bullpen showed up in this one too as yep. well. And again, lesser opponent, you come home, you get the swings, you get to have your reps. When they'll get a chance when they go to Cal State Fullerton. We'll see what this team is able to do. They get LSU on Tuesday. Um, that's going to be a huge challenge for them, and we'll get to see what it looks like. But last night, they did what they were supposed to do, and that was win at home against a lesser opponent. Now let's see if you can ramp it up mm. going into this week. I, like I told you before, the play against Arkansas, they should have won that game. The ball went through Jalen uh, Flores' legs. If he makes mm. that play, Texas wins the game. I told you, by week three and four, he'll be making that play. They lost to Missouri because Missouri was bunting and running, and they were putting the ball in play, and they were making mistakes. them make plays, making mistakes, and mm-hmm. they still won. They could have won the game on a. They they lost on a walk off. Mm-hmm. If Jalen or uh, uh, Jaden Duplante, if his ball hits the wall in left field, all three runs score. I was there. I saw it. So I'm not making excuses. I watched the games. So when, mm-hmm. when you pay attention to the games, there's no excuses being made. There was plays that could have been had. The game against um, Vanderbilt, Travis Staley was pitching ground balls. They didn't field them. So if they field them, it's a different ball game. The problem was they didn't put the ball in play at the plate. It wasn't everything else that was happening. Lucas Gordon matched that other guy from Arkansas pitch for pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were battling. So when you watch the game and you understand what's happening, there's nothing to sit here and say, oh, they're terrible, they're terrible. No, let it happen. They're going to play a lot of games. And as the season, Patrick asked me this morning, should we be panicking yet? Not yet. We ain't got the button yet. Don't worry about it. I'll let you know when we need to start pushing this button. Yeah, um, and right now uh, they look pretty good. <clears throat> but you like I said, you don't get credit for things you're supposed to do. As Chris exactly. Rock said, you're supposed to beat and m Corpus Christi pretty badly. And that's exactly, and that's exactly what they did. <clears throat> exactly what they did. Uh, you brought up the uh, Duplantier brother. Yep. Um, and they are now there's Andre Andre Duplantier. Yep. Who's also on the team now. So you do Dre, have right. He pitched the other night. <clears throat> you have siblings. Yep. On the team, it brought up a conversation. 
that I, I I brought up earlier in the show. I just and I'm sure that other institutions can brag about this too. So I'm not just saying it's Texas, but man, I can think of so many Texas uh, family legacies, mm-hmm. and I wonder if if they did a study, extensive study sports program, the program across the country where Texas would stack up with other schools in family legacies within sports programs. And when we asked you guys on the Specs Text Line to throw out the legacy family legacy that you can think of in Texas sports. So what we have right now is I forgot about the Dockery brothers, so I put them yep, on there. Yep, yep. I played with the Dockery uh, brothers, or at least I played with one of them. Um, you got the kid, you got Vicaros, Kenny mm-hmm. and Kevin Vicaro, Foreman brothers, Colton Case McCoy. You have the Car- Keith and Kerry Cash. You got the Acho brothers, Shipley brothers, uh, Nadu Plantiers, Griffins. Uh, the yep, you got the Griffins. They're coming up later. I got oh, them God, on got my you. list too. Gotcha. Uh, Duplantiers, Clem- uh, Clemens, uh, Duvernay's, Donovan, and Devin. Uh, these and are just family ask, connections too. And you can have Calvin on there because Calvin is their uncle. Calvin Murray is their uncle. You can throw that out there. <laughs> uh, Shaw in baseball, Lusson in baseball. Uh, shout out to Danny Davis who threw those out there via Twitter. Um, you got uh, Jeremy Hills and Tony Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael and Marcus Griffin you brought up. Colin and Kirk Johnson. Don't forget about Dad. Uh, so Johnny Johnson, too. Mm-hmm. Papa there. Cole and Chase Pittman. Brocker Myers. Uh uh, Sam Ellinger and Jake Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, you have uh, Sinline, Lyle and Kyle. Also, Lyle, Lyle and Austin Sinline. Yep. Um, uh, Earl and uh, the Campbell brothers. Yep. Put it out there, too. Tim. Uh, Earl and Tim. Yep. yep. Uh, there was a Steve in there. Steve and Tim. As yep. well. Uh, the, my man Quentin Jammer and uh, Quandre Diggs, they are brothers. Don't forget about the. Shema uh, uh, tweeted in. I'll see Texan in. Shay. Uh, Shay Holly, yep. Her dad played at Texas, and yeah. So and the Peoples brothers. We miss. Don't one? forget about the Peoples. That they all play baseball at uh, okay. Texas. You also got well, no, just the Danks. Oh yeah, the dad played here too. The John Danks, the okay. Danks kids. Yep. All right. So you still got a bunch of them that are That's out there. Crazy. Nation and Cameron Hughes from the mm. football teams too. Okay. Yeah. So Probably there's a missed. ton of them that are and so Colton Gossick. The Vosics. Forgot about the Vosics. Yeah. That's a brand new one. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, I mean. The I, streets. I'm sure. It, yeah. See what I'm saying? <laughs> like I said, I, I wonder where, uh, somebody's got to do a study with other universities. I'm not going to do it. I don't have the time. But <laughs> somebody's got to do it. I can, we could do Texas pretty easy. Yeah. And we already did Texas right now. Hell, we already came up with, hell, we got at least, I don't know, 23. Yeah, the Kennedys. The Kennedys. Yeah. Um, we also yeah. got Brian and uh, it's crazy. the Shazarziks. Uh the Hodos, the Hodos, they all played here. So it's Rusty Richards. Dang, there's a ton. You could continue. That's what I'm saying. To keep, you could go all day. Kishnick, his his son is coming to the University of Texas now to play football as another. a preferred walk-on. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't think the of The Hagers. There's no way. I forgot about the Hagers. <laughs> How do you forget about the Hagers? Exactly. The Hagers, yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I'm just saying. I don't think that would be a university that would have more. I could be off. I could just be looking at things through burnt orange glasses. And you should. But <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that, it can't be a school with that many more. I know. But like I said, maybe if I was a Notre Notre Dame, USC, that kind of stuff, maybe they have the Alfred same Collins and his mom. Legacy. She played basketball she did. She here. Played basketball. Yeah. Yes, I'm saying like, like the Perrymans. 
<laughs> we're we're at this point. We're at like we're in the thirty. Oh yeah, to, the rentals. I forgot about we're that. Thirty to forty. Yeah, family legacies easily. Oh, Calvin Shiraldi, his son was here. Lucas at one point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, look at all these names coming out. I know, they just keep line. flying through. Someone says Miami might have more. They may. <laughs> I'm not saying the university right. doesn't. I'm just saying Texas has a ridiculous amount of them. Yep. Like a ton. And I, I would I would put Texas's leg, family legacy, sports legacies up against any other schools. Yeah. Because like I said, they, they're so deep. I stopped writing them down. I can't. Yeah. I mean, well, I they keep coming through. They so keep we coming good. in. <laughs> just, I mean, I, I didn't even, I, someone might even think about it. Right. Oh yeah, Coach Gus and his son. Exactly. Yeah, the Hark Riders came here. Casey and his dad and his uncle. Yeah, Casey Stutter. That's one. I heard him talking about that this morning. Yeah, yeah. Casey Stutter's dad, uncle. I just think it's it goes on forever. Yeah, it, it it's nonstop. It goes on forever. I love it. All right, thanks to all you guys on the Specs text line. Yeah, um, I figured that would be a, a that would a be hot a good topic, trigger, but. I didn't. Th- I knew there were a lot we were missing, but man, some of them seemed obvious that <laughs> right. well, we just forgot all about them. But there were just tons of them. Yeah. All right, let's get to Rod's rant of the day. I want to talk about the miracle on ice. Come on, what now. some are calling the greatest upset in sports history, potentially at least in American team sports history. We'll talk about that, and also what they call the greatest individual. Sports upset, individual sports Ooh. upset in American sports history. We'll get into that, know what that and is. more. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104, now the horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chad and I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, I want to get into a really a, an anniversary, uh, which is uh, supposed to mark one of the most iconic moments and most memorable moments in American sports history. Uh, it's basically when the uh, U.S. hockey team pulled the, uh, the, eight, the 1980 uh, Olympics upset over Russia which was considered to be, at least it's still considered to be, one of the greatest upsets in the history of sports, period. Internationally, nationally, it doesn't matter. Um, that was one of the biggest upsets um, that we've ever seen because and I, they, it's really hard to find odds for sports betting back then because it was so frowned upon. So there were, there were not a lot of um, publications they were putting out the uh, the betting odds for you know, the Soviet Union and for Team USA. But since a lot of these betting uh, conglomerates, a lot of these publications, they have went back and studied the upset of uh, of Team Russia by uh, Team USA in the uh, 1980 Olympics and try to retroactively come up with odds to see what they would have been. They've talked to some of the most renowned betting minds in America, one of them being Jimmy Vaccaro, 
He's a longtime bookmaker. If you're in the betting world, you know the name Jimmy Vaccaro. And they did a, they did actually a, a several documentaries, by the way, about uh, this 1980 upset of the Soviet Union. And they actually had some betters on that documentary, too. And so Action Network actually went and spoke to some of these people to figure out exactly what the line would have been. So Jimmy Vaccaro said on Twitter the U.S. was priced somewhere between plus 400 and plus 600, but other estimates put it between plus 800 or plus 1,000 uh, as the, their best odds to beat uh, Team Russia in those Olympics. So uh, Monte Carlo, which was one of the sports gambling capitals of the world, uh, a, a, so a Monte Carlo simulation that was run by Carlton Chin and Jay Granite. In 2010, they said their simulation machine, so they got a supercomputer, basically. They put all these different factors and variables into the supercomputer and, and, and have run all these simulations. And they said the U.S. odds were 1,000 to 1 to win the gold entering the tournament. So that's just to win the gold entering the tournament. They didn't go individually into their matchup against Team Russia in the Olympics. Uh, the Action Network themselves... All right. Um, said that they put the odds somewhere closer to 17 to one based on what they saw through the first five games of <clears throat> five hockey games for the Americans in the competition. So they put them at around 17 to one odds. They were the seventh seeded team uh, in the uh, basically in that Olympics in the ho- in, in the hockey competition. They were the seventh seeded team, which I guess is not terrible. Uh, but Russia had been dominant. They had won the previous four Olympic gold medals, and they had won 12 of the previous 16 world championships. They were a dynasty and considered to be unbeatable in a lot of people's estimation. But uh, obviously, if you've seen the movie Miracle, have you seen the movie Miracle? Yes, sir. Kurt Russell, have you seen the movie Miracle? Nope. Kurt Russell. I got a story uh, about that when we get done. Do you really? Get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess Harsh knows every damn body. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, Kurt, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, you know somebody on there too? No, no. Kurt Russell uh, plays Herb Brooks, I believe, is the uh, the famous coach's name. Um, and he, I think he had the line that if we played them ten times, they, they'll probably win nine. But not tonight. But not this game, not tonight. One of the famous lines uh, that came from the movie. So they put their odds, like I said, I, I, several different betting outlets put it basically 1,000 to 1 odds, 17 to 1 odds potentially. Either way, we're talking about a huge long shot. So I wanted, and I went and looked at also another simple rating system, SRS, what they call a simple rating system. And they had Russia, even after, this is after the upset, they had Russia as two and a half goals better than Team America. Um, and they said prior to the upset, Russia was actually three and three and a half goals better considered by the SRS system than America. That is equivalent to, they say, of America being a minus 2,200 underdog. So, I mean, these guys are all over lot. the place. Yeah. Minus 2,200 is that. That's a, that's a lot. That's 
That's, that's a, a lot. lot of money. That's a lot. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, exactly. yeah, I know. You're a betting man. Know, Can yeah. you explain to the people what minus 2200 would mean if I want uh, I want to put some money on Team USA at minus 2200? If you wanted to put it on Team USA or Team Russia, because Team Russia would have been the well, one yeah, that yeah, would have yeah, been probably, fair. Yeah, so it would have been plus. Yes, at 2200. Yes. Yeah, but they're you, minus, so they're the favorites, yes. You would have won $2 million if you'd have put $100 on it. At plus 2200? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Action Network, that's wild. Action Network said um, after their extensive study that they would have put to, put Team USA or put Russia, I should say, at minus 2,000, between minus 1,400 and minus 2,000 as a favorite. Yeah. And they would have put Team USA at plus 800 to a plus 1,000 underdog. So as my man Harsh explained to you, you're Let's talking win about that money. Straight a, cash, a huh? huge underdog. We don't know who, the, I don't know if anybody even... Uh, bet Team USA in that because that would have been, I'm sure we would have heard about that. That would have been historic. But earlier this month, there was another historic uh, anniversary of historic upset, and it was actually what is considered to be the biggest upset in uh, basically in independent single uh, sports, athletic sports history. So if you're being not team sports, but individual sports history, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Which so I went back and, and those you have a lot more kind of documented lines from that matchup and that upset and that happened February 11th by the way I believe that matchup was February 11th so it just you know a couple of weeks ago you were at the anniversary of the big upset of Mike Tyson losing to James Buster Douglas so looking at the odds James Buster Douglas famously the longest odds that we have for James Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. For it was 42 to 1. Nobody ever took that bet. The longest odds that actually did have a wager placed for the Tyson fight were at 38 to 1 odds. So that was a third. Basically, you did have somebody who, had, who, who took a bet for James Buster Douglas to pull the upset 38 to 1 odds. Yeah, and it was twenty two hundred dollars. You would have won mm-hmm. if you bet a hundred on the twenty two hundred. You would have won twenty two hundred, not two million. I was thinking of another wager that I I put out there extra. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, explain so I, again then. So a hundred dollars, and you bet plus twenty two hundred, you would get twenty two hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah. And and minus twenty two hundred is the fun part. Is if you bet a hundred dollars on Russia at minus twenty two hundred, you'd win about five bucks. You'd win about five bucks. Yeah. Okay. You don't yeah. win so, nothing. So not a great bet to bet on Russia. You got to throw it out there for yourself. You, that's why you always look at those wagers and you, you look at it and say, oh, they're plus five hundred. Like right now, if you picked the Chiefs to go back to the Super Bowl and win it, they're like plus five hundred. You would win five hundred bucks if you put a hundred on them. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so getting back to the uh, Buster Douglas upset odds. Love that. Um, the, except the longest odds were 42 to 1 for him to upset Tyson. He ended up, uh, the, the longest odds where a wager was actually placed was 38 to 1 odds for uh, Buster Douglas and the Mike Tyson fight. And prior to that, uh, it is said the longest odds were Cinderella Man. Which there's a movie about that too. We love to make movies about these big upsets. <laughs> yeah. um, in 1935, when he was a ten to one underdog, and James Braddock ended up beating Max Baer in 1935 as a ten to one underdog. That was considered the greatest underdog to win a heavyweight title. 
prior to Tyson and Buster Douglas. But uh, James Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson, they just they annihilated those odds, which tipped from 10 to 1. They said 38 to 1, but at one time it was 42 to 1. Nobody gave Buster Douglas a chance. But honestly, if somebody was, was within Mike Tyson's camp at the time, they probably could have placed some money on Buster Douglas and won a ton. Because right. they all knew Mike Tyson was drinking and partying, partying the whole time. Wasn't training. No. He had gotten knocked out by a sparring partner <laughs> yeah. before the Living fight. Living a bad week. So if you were on the inside, man, you could have cashed in big time on that fight. Because still probably wouldn't have seen Mike Tyson losing the fight. Right. Because he knocked James Buster Douglas out earlier in the fight. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought, oh, that's it. Fight's over. Buster Douglas got up. He was like, I'm Put the champ. Like, the champ man, is here. I remember that. That was that was mind blowing. That yeah. to me, that was the greatest upset that I ever witnessed. For I wasn't sure. alive for the nineteen eighty, you know, Miracle on Ice. But watching Mike Tyson lose his mystique yeah. like that, it was crazy. Yeah, and there was rumors that uh WWE was gonna bring in Mike Tyson after that fight for something. And then when he lost, they're like, Well, yeah, we don't really want to pay you that amount of money anymore. No. Because you just lost. So we can't really sell you as the best fighter in the world. <laughs> right. You lost to Buster Douglas. You didn't lose. Yeah. That was supposed to be just a, you know, kind of a rando fight against a jabroni. That's that why just, I was overseas. That's, that's why, why I was, was overseas. way over there. What and, no big deal. And that's why the odds were right. so long that right. Buster Douglas could have a chance to upset Mike Tyson. And it happened. So you could argue, there's an argument to be made that the Mike Tyson upset actually, if you look at odds, is right up there with the Team USA upset over Russia. Yeah. In terms of odds, sports odds, just looking at it that way. All right, uh, we come back. So, so let me tell you the story real quick oh, about ahead. that. So we're in Atlanta for the national championship game, and our, our our boy Chip Brown is a huge Prince guy. Prince is his dude. He loves him some Prince. So I'm in the room, and I'm watching TV, and I'm I'm watching this Prince documentary. So I, t- I call Chip. I say, Chip. Prince is on. Turn it on this channel. You get to watch your documentary. He said, no, nah, player, I'm watching the Miracle. I'm watching the Miracle movie right now with Kurt Russell. <laughs> like he's emotional about yeah, it? Yeah, he was like, no, nah, I, can't, I can't talk to you right now. I'm watching Miracle, man. <laughs> and this is the scene where he's talking in the locker room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the pregame in. speech, man. Yeah. It's legit, no yeah. doubt. Uh, all right, we come back. We got a little more off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain All right, welcome back to Bar Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn it is time for another edition of Off the Record. Midweek movie music, by the way. Uh, that means my man Patrick takes songs from a certain soundtrack, plays those songs for us, and based on these selections, we're to gather clues and hints that lead us to the featured film for Midweek Movie Music. And today, it's old school. Great, great love film. It. Love great, it. great film. Love it. Had a good time. I, I've watched it. I don't know, I probably watched it more than 10 times, I think, in my life. Oh, for sure. And it's rare I can say that about a comedy and enjoyed it every damn time. So, yeah. uh, shout out to my man Patrick, always keeping us on our toes uh, with the midweek movie music. All right, let's get to a little off the record here. So, this is, you know, this is archaeological uh, history, actually, that may have been made, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, UK archaeologists were flabbergasted. It's the only way to put it. When they discovered what they thought was a sewing tool, now, after further investigation, they've come to believe it is the only known Roman adult, the oldest known Roman adult toy. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Oh, my God. I wish uh, you were. <laughs> Dr. Rob <laughs> Collins, an archaeologist at Newcastle University who co-opted the paper said, we know ancient Romans and Greeks used uh, sexual implements. Uh, this object from Vindalanda could be an example of one. And it is, um, they say the first, it was first discovered in 1992 during an excavation mm. of the Roman fort in, um, in Vindalanda. Sorry, I probably mispronounced it and I apologize if I am. Um, it said archaeologists initially classified the cylindrical object as an implement of, you know, just some tool they would use. Well, it is a tool they would use, but uh, one they would use in sewing or something like that. Fabric, like you know, a manipulation of fabric and needles. Uh, but kind of find out now modern archaeologists suspect that um, it was used, um, you know, for more um, adult purposes. Mm-hmm. So it was an, they said it was an adult toy upon further examination. Uh, they believe that it was being used to uh, pleasure uh, Romans back in the day. Wow. Now you like that? This is... Uh, mm-hmm. I really just hope that when they said that, someone was holding it with their bare hands. Yeah. And just holding it, and then they're like, and that was used to be inserted into the... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> it's... No. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't know exactly... Where was that the, 24%? It's an erotic instrument, as has been described here. There you go. It's a, a classy way to say that. It yeah. It's hey, a, go over to adamandeve.com for erotic <laughs> instruments. <laughs> uh, yeah. Goodness. So that's what they are now, you know, discussing. Yeah, they said yeah. it might be the oldest of its kind. Wow. There you go. See? That is definitely the oldest if it was Roman. It was made of wood, too, it looks like. Uh, doesn't seem. Interesting. That doesn't seem like that. That seemed like that'd be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean that predates sandpaper. So (laughs) (laughs) no, I think it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, looks like it's made of wood. The best part is, you know, that was like some thirteen-year-olds. Their mom just walking in. What are you carving? (laughs) Nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about carving. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I wonder who. Yeah, who made these back in the day, and how did you get them? Like, who was? You know what I mean? Like, they'd have a shop. No, I mean this. this, I mean, like, it seems like you know when you're in school, and then someone would find out something that you could do that seemed nefarious, but really wasn't, and everybody would just be like, "Oh, well, make these." I think it's just that. It's just thirteen year old. Well, I mean, we'll say they're so like twelve year old, ten year old. Mm. Greek boys. Yeah. This is just a hypothesis about what it could be. <laughs> I don't know why they jumped to <laughs> so freaky about what it could be, but I guess it, they, at first they went from it could be a device used for sewing and using garments and manipulation, and now they wow. said it's an erotic instrument. So who knows? Uh, the beauty's in our They were trying it. to do it, and then one of them sniffed it and was like, ah, oh, I get where this was. <laughs> ah. <laughs> My gosh. Yes. <laughs> I love the texture. So I guess they were entertained. Yeah. Well done. Uh, there you go. There there you go. go. Are you not entertained? Gladiator I love it. There. Love Fel- it. Fantastic. All right, we come back. We'll talk Cowboys. Uh, we got a Darren Jeremiah mock draft we'll get into. And this is a strange comparison for Bryce Ma- Bryce Young. We'll get into it on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie 104.9.